This episode of Fuel for the Soul is powered by ASICS. Head over to ASICS.com and sign up for a one ASICS account. It's completely free, and when you sign up, you'll receive 10% off your first purchase. You'll also gain access to exclusive colorways on ASICS.com, free standard shipping, special birthday month discounts, and more. Hi, this is Thomas with Believe in the Run. And this is Megan with Believe in the Run. And this is Megan with Featherstone Nutrition. A.K.A. Feathers. And you're listening to Fuel for the Soul, the podcast where we talk all things hydration and nutrition and how it affects performance. Mm. We all just raced this weekend. We're feeling it a little bit. So we're going to try and I bring the energy. I didn't really race. Yeah. Megan and I did. Yeah. The ladies yeah. crushed. I mean... Megan Featherston, new PR. Megan Murray, slash other names, uh, <laughs> new PR in the marathon. You guys want to talk about it at all? Maybe, maybe we can talk about it at the end. Um, but I figure we should just dive into today's topic because... What is today's topic? Well, we're going to answer a couple different questions, but it's all sort of around the realm of nutrition, nutrition tracking and body image. And what colors look good when you're running, like what you should wear? We'll, we'll probably won't cover that one. Oh, okay. I like um, that. That's on another episode. All right. Black. Well, yeah, black is slimming. Come <laughs> the on, answer people. Is, the answer is always black. black. The answer is black. So we can Unless you're in on. the desert, then it's white. <laughs> this first question mm. comes from Bree, so let's take a Is it a cheesy listen. question? I, I'm, what are you doing? Bree. <laughs> As in Bree cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. What up, Bob? Megan, you're, oh my gosh. thank you for saving the show while Megan over here <laughs> is fading like a, a wilted flower. Hi, guys. My name is Bree, and I am a runner that has run a couple of marathons, and um, I'll be running another one next year. And I just am curious, um, nutrition-wise, as far as um, someone that's struggled with disordered eating in the past and with macro counting and... Just trying to find a balance if you guys recommend to track macros when you are in a marathon prep. I know that if I don't track macros, I tend to not fuel appropriately. But if I do track macros, I become a little obsessive with tracking and seeing the numbers sometimes does make me get a little anxious. So I know there's kind of a fine line between the two. And I'm just trying to figure out your best take on which may be more beneficial. Thank you guys so much. Love the podcast. So this seems really tricky for Brie. And I almost feel like this is outside of the line of nutrition and more of the line of like psychology. I don't know. Megan, you you tell me. You know, that's actually a good point. I just had this conversation with a couple of people last week that dietitians should have like a dual major in psychology. I had two undergrad classes in psychology and we need like 20. I think. I, I'm going to stop so you. I finally inner tune. I think at this point, every occupation needs psychology. I mean, coaches need True. it. Dietitians <laughs> need it. Like if you're working with anyone, I, I feel like I use my psychology degree for marketing all the time. It's just useful. Balancing helpful and harmful behaviors. 
So that's kind of where I can come in as a dietitian to help point out, like, is this helpful or is this harmful? And honestly, if something we're doing while we're training is causing us to feel anxious and become more obsessive with things that are not necessarily beneficial, and then in the background, we do have a history of disordered eating. This was like a huge red flag for me. You know, I think, you know, my question for Brie then is like, what behaviors are getting in the way of not fueling adequately while you're training? Because I hear this a lot. I hear people say, um, if I don't track, I don't eat enough. And that's kind of people's message as to why I need to track. But then there's all these negative things that are coming along with tracking, like anxiety. So my kind of rebuttal to that is, why is tracking the answer? Like what's getting in the way of us fueling well? Let's address that instead of just slapping the Band-Aid of tracking on when we know that that has not been beneficial for us in the past. I also think the opposite is true. Like when I track, I eat less. Because it's an accountability tool. So for some people that maybe eat more or are more mindless when they're eating, once they have that accountability tool and they're tracking and they're paying attention to what they're putting into their body, maybe you do end up eating less. Yeah. So who is like the tracking for? Like who would you say should be tracking? So I think there's lots of different ways we can track. So in my mind, macro counting, so counting the grams of fat, the grams of carbs, the grams of protein we're eating is probably one of the hardest ways to track and most strict ways to track because you're not just looking at what am I putting on my plate? You're literally trying to calculate protein and calories and fat. And I've personally never strictly counted macros because it would drive me absolutely bonkers. It is very, very, very detail-based. So that would be like one type of tracking. But then there's also, I mean, some people track calories on an app like MyFitnessPal or lose it. Um, and then also the way that I track with people that I work with is more based on timing and balance at meals. So we're looking at when are we eating? What are we eating? Like literally I ate a sandwich and this was on my sandwich, not how many grams of protein are in there. So we're teaching behind the scenes, like how much we need to eat. And then the accountability piece to make sure we're doing what we need to do is more so time-based or balance-based. I mean, you guys both tracked with me. It's not, we're not focused on those numbers because as Brie has mentioned, and a lot of people have mentioned to me, sometimes strictly focusing on numbers for too long can drive people a little bit bonkers. Yeah, so what sort of behaviors would be reasons that you wouldn't be fueling properly throughout your training um, and you would need to count or do some sort of accountability? So I, my question for Brie would be, why do we need to do that macro tracking kind of what you're saying so if we don't if we realize that's not a great way for us to track but we want to be more mindful to make sure that we're fueling enough which seems to be the issue here let's take a look at like why aren't we eating is it because we our appetite decreases when we're training hard that's common so is it a lack of appetite or we know people who have micromanaged their diet for a really long time sometimes don't have the appropriate hunger cues. So are we missing the appetite, the hunger cues, the fullness cues, you know, those types of things where we need to be more on a schedule, like eat within an hour of finishing your run. What do we need to eat? Protein, carbs. So taking kind of a different look at it instead of tracking the numbers, being more mindful of the timing of when we're eating nutrition or 
do we just have a lack of knowledge or a fear of increasing nutrition with mileage? I see that a lot too. So if we're like, okay, if I track macros, I know I'm getting the right amount, but not too much. So then we need to kind of work on in the background of like trusting our body and like, what does my body need? What does that look like? How do we build these plates without having to count different things? Or are you somebody who just gets really, really busy and forgets to eat? Then we need to put in some cues to make sure that we are eating at a certain time or even an alert in our phone. You know, there's other ways to get on top of some of these things that maybe are keeping us from surrounding our lives with good nutrition without having to count, you know, numbers. There's this whole big push towards intuitive eating now. Um, do you think that's harder for athletes than, a, you know, a regular individual? Or do you think that the intuitive eating is a solid approach to... Okay, first off, explain the intuitive eating because to me that sounds like eat whenever the hell you want. I think that's kind of it, right? <laughs> That's a piece of it. Yeah, like eat what your body wants when your body wants it is kind of the principles behind intuitive eating. There are intuitive eating dietitians out there. So a lot of them, that's a piece of it, right? But then there is a little bit more prescriptive nutrition behind it. Um, okay. But but when I got yeah. home last night from the airport, her mom had made oatmeal cookies. Mm. Intuitively, I wanted those cookies. So I had like three of them. It's probably not, I was already full. Probably didn't need three oatmeal cookies, but my intuition was saying, hey, those cookies will taste good. <laughs> so like that doesn't sound like a plan that would work for me. And a lot of people say exactly what you're saying, but when you really look at intuitive eating, it's honoring your hunger or your cravings. So you did that, but then it's also honoring fullness. So like you've, yes, eat that cookie, but like let's also pay attention to like when that's too many cookies. So there's kind of parameters around both ends of that. So for, for Brie, who is wondering if during her marathon training cycle specifically, if she should be macro tracking, what, like, would you say a hard yes or no, or is it really a, you'd have to like talk through all these scenarios? From what Brie's saying, I would say a hard no. She needs to find a different way to make sure she's eating enough during her training. Um, we shouldn't be doing anything during our training that's causing us to be obsessive with numbers or feel anxious. You know, those are two very big red flags for me. That doesn't mean that no one should track their nutrition when they're training. You guys know, like I yeah. think tracking certain ways is incredibly beneficial to making sure that we're getting the most out of our performance and recovery and gaining more fitness. Um, but we take this individual approach with a lot of people, right? I often have the question of where do we stand with tracking? This is how I like to track with people. How do you feel about that with your history of tracking or how you felt about nutrition, body image, all that kind of stuff. So um, I think it really does have to be a little bit individual um, across the board just to make sure that we're staying mentally and physically sane and happy and healthy when we're training. So am I off because one thing that I do is I basically now the habit is you told us to have a little something before we go out for a run, like a graham cracker or something like that. When I go back, I know I need a little protein. So we kind of have our bake with the yogurt or a bagel with egg and, you know, cheese or whatever. And then, you know, I have like a sensible lunch and like a sensible dinner. At what point does it become something that you feel like at this point, I just feel like it's a lifestyle and how how we eat, I don't even think about it. Which is perfect. 
That's exactly where I want people to get. And that's why I kind of build this platform on educating people about the importance of eating before their runs, eating after their runs. What does that look like? That's why I'm always putting recipes out like here, this is a balanced meal so that we don't have to count all those pieces. I just don't think it's healthy to be counting things long term. You know, we've mentioned before, all of us probably have something we struggle with with our nutrition, whether it's eating enough protein or getting enough carbs or eating too much fat or whatever that looks like. So maybe there's a certain number that we're paying a little more attention to. I still look at the side of my yogurt container like, do I have to eat one of these or two of these to get my protein at this meal? Because it's just something that is probably never going to be 100% intuitive to me to get enough protein. I know I need to focus on it. So I think it's okay to know where our quote unquote weakness is and pay a little bit more attention to certain pieces of our nutrition. But from a whole, I don't think that we should be counting and tracking numbers as a sustainability to being able to fuel our bodies well. What I would like is people to feel more like you, Thomas, that I know I need X, Y, and Z at certain times. I know I need to do this, that, and the other thing, and this is supporting my performance. That's where I want people to get to. It's just a lot of us aren't there yet. We were talking to someone this weekend that does a nine-day training cycle. And if you think about it, most of us think about three meals a day or three you know, main meals, and there's different snacks involved. But would it be smart if someone's getting too caught up on it and maybe look at it as like a weekly intake or a, you know, kind of change up how you look at it rather than just day to day? Because I think that's the big thing is you get this guilt if you have a bad day. So maybe it's like, hey, is there a way to kind of maybe stretch out the way that you think about your diet so that it's not so micro level? So yes, and yeah, I, I like where you're going with this point here, because I think too often we think about what did I do today? What do I need to do today for my nutrition? I did run today. I didn't run today. And then we set up this thing where it's like, it's a rest day. I shouldn't need to eat, but I'm so hungry. And then you're ignoring your body cues. And then you end up eating everything and feeling guilty, like you said. So there's a lot of people that are very, very fearful to fuel appropriately on rest days. So to your point, if we take that step back and we think about, all right, my body is running X amount of miles this week, because that's how we look at our training, you know? So my body needs this amount of nutrition this week. Let's spread it out really evenly into our earlier point, build those habits of eating before, eating after, sensible meals like you were just talking about, so that our body we're not necessarily changing things on a day-to-day basis, to your point. We're not tracking these numbers on a day-to-day basis, but we're building these habits and scaling nutrition for what's happening over that week. And that too will hopefully de-emphasize the fact that we need to eat less on a rest day because we're looking at it as the whole week and my body needs fueled for the training that's happening this week. So you bring up a really good point with that that I totally agree with. So for Brie, you kind of said it would be a hard no for the very like micromanagement of her eating and tracking and that type of thing. Are there, like Thomas was sorting, sort of alluding to with like looking at the bigger picture, are there any other steps that you would recommend for Brie or someone like Brie in a way to kind of keep track of their their diet and make sure that they are fueling well enough without maybe involving numbers and some of that anxiety? Mm-hmm. And that's how I do, I like to track with people. Like if we look at our day, like when did we eat? When did we work out? And like, what did we have? Roughly, what did we have? Did we have a sandwich with some turkey on it? Did we have toast with nut butter? That's going to tell me like, oof, we needed protein with that toast. Or, oh, that was a balanced meal, but we might've needed to eat like some more carbs, some fruit with it, you know, so that I guess I can give feedback and guidance without having to get too driven by numbers. And then eventually that builds new habits. Because when we start to notice like, oh my gosh, when I eat X, Y, or Z, I feel so much better. My performance is better. And then hopefully it kind of starts to fade the 
insecurity about is this too much for my body? Is this not enough for my body? Because you're building kind of some new habits and and noticing how that impacts performance and recovery. And, you know, you can kind of obviously see this in a beautiful progression from a nutrition standpoint, which sometimes will still mean like writing things down. Like maybe we do instead of just being like no tracking whatsoever, Brie, maybe it goes from macro tracking to just tracking the timing or the what instead of the numbers behind the what. Or maybe it is right to just totally stop tracking. You know, everybody's a little bit different, but there's certain, there's ways we can be accountable to our nutrition and help change things without having to feel quite so obsessive about it. Um, I mean, we're runners, like we track everything. We track our heart rate, we track our paces. Like it makes sense that some of us have taken nutrition tracking a little too far, yeah. you know, like we're, we're numbers driven. So it's like understanding like, where is that helpful? And when is that helpful? And when did we, do we need to back off and like not pay quite so much attention to numbers? Speaking of which, can we can we change the subject just a little bit now? I think we covered. We have another question to answer. Yeah, but before we get to that question, okay. Um, how hard was it for you this week when, after the race, you heard people like I, I would talk to people. Oh, how'd your race go? And they said everything went well, but I cramped up at the mile twenty, you know, three or something like that. Or I heard people say, oh, you know, I, I you know I ran out of energy at this. How hard is it for you not to immediately say to them, you're not hydrating correctly or you're not eating uh, enough calories during your run? Like I heard so many people who were like, training went really well, but then, you know, I just got cramps in the last three miles. I was like, I just want to say to them, you didn't hydrate. Like you didn't hydrate right. But, you know, like for you though, as a dietitian, when you hear these things and you hear these comments from people, um, do you hold your tongue or do you just tell them? Oh, I hold my tongue. Like if somebody asks me, I'll tell them, but I don't, I don't like to go out swinging. Like you did this wrong. You did that wrong. In my mind, I like to kind of analyze and like, it's like a puzzle to me. Like did they, was it muscle fatigue that caused the cramping or was it hydration? Like I'll start listening to what they're saying and like in my mind come up with what I think happened, but like I won't verbalize it unless they specifically ask me, but I am, I'm so fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by people's performance in the heat, what they do, what they don't do, who does well, who is impacted by the heat. Like I have all these thoughts in my head about like how this all works and it's fun to figure out like if it's right or not. (laughs) Yeah. And speaking of which during the race, I, it was a little warmer. It was a little humid. So I had my entire race, every time I saw a water table, uh, I had Featherston in my head saying, grab two cups, two cups of water at every table. So I'm doing it, you know, I'm going through, grabbing those waters. Meanwhile, Feathers, (laughs) tell people how much water you had on the course. Nothing. I didn't drink anything out there. And if if one of your clients had said that to you, (laughs) What would have been your response to that? Well, backing up, there's a method to everyone's madness, right? And that's why I think it's important that it's personalized sports nutrition. Yes, I put calculators out there to figure it out. But honestly, you guys could all figure out what I'm about to say just by all the free resources on there. So I know, I knew, I was hoping to be out there 80 minutes. I was out there 81. But so I knew what my sweat rate was in similar weather because we have the sweat rate calculator. I'm a nerd. I know what my sweat rate is like. And I also know what percentage of dehydration I start to have negative performance from. So I knew with the weather that was prescribed that if I went, if I hyperhydrated, I used the scratch hyperhydration the night before, if I carb loaded for the one day because my 
race was under 90 minutes. I didn't need to do the full three-day load. I knew that I was going to be fine out there if I didn't want to drink anything and that my percent dehydration wouldn't get to the point where it would impact my performance. So I'm not saying like, hey, nobody drink out there. Nobody needs it. But I knew for me, for my time goals, how I had fueled the day before, hydrated the day before, what I was doing, I knew that I could get through that race if I needed to or if I didn't want to take fluid without it impacting performance. And I did struggle for, I think, mile 11 and 13 were both a little bit tricky for me, but 100% it had nothing to do with nutrition or hydration. Like it was it was the heat, it was a little too hot, and it had nothing to do with that. And then the wind in mile 13 really smacked me in the face, literally. But <laughs> um, so I guess I say all of that because this is what I do for a living and I have very much dialed in my own performance nutrition and I knew that that was going to be okay for me but you're right being like Megan didn't drink out there on a hot day I mean you could very easily be like you're a fool like you're kind of saying right now but um yeah yeah that's exactly what I'm saying Megan (laughs) (laughs) well I mean I I you know for me I haven't you know I'm so detail oriented I haven't done the calculator I haven't done the sweat test Uh but I was like it's warm out I'm, I might like, it's not going to hurt me to have, uh, I mean, basically if I was lucky with two cups, I was getting maybe an ounce and a half and they had them almost every mile or so. I think it was mile and a half. Yeah. Mile and a half. So. Well, and the other difference, Thomas, was you were going out there and running it for fun. Yeah. You were, wanted to make sure your hip didn't hurt. You were running for fun. You wanted to feel good. I was out there trying to run as fast as I could on that day. And so I didn't want to be carrying it. Yeah, I didn't want to have to stop if I didn't yeah. need it. Like, I wanted to just go for it. Yeah. They had a really nice setup as far as yeah, the Gatorade did. stations were, like, I would say 100 feet long. And then you have a little break. And then the water stations were another 100 feet long. I was able to get a water, drink a water, and still grab another water and drink that without having to grab, like, two handfuls of water or anything like that. The best thing was... There was these two guys that were running with me. I would say they were in high school. I thought they were running the full at first, but clearly they continued on at the half with me. One of them had a white cotton t-shirt on, so of course he like gathered my attention very quickly. And then the other guy who didn't have the cotton t-shirt on, he, you know, he had like a racing singlet, was trying to coach the other kid on how to take fluid. And I hear him coughing behind me, like clearly did it wrong. He's like, you gotta bend the cup, you gotta pour. Like every single water stick. It was very entertaining to hear the one guy, kid coaching the other one on I how love to get it. fluids. <laughs> yeah, you gotta pinch. You gotta pinch that right. cup. Which is weird when, if you ever get the plastic ones, you're like, oh no. Oh yeah. All right, so you answered you answered my hydration question. Can we get on to the next question, Meg? This episode of Fuel for the Soul is sponsored by Inside Tracker. We all use Inside Tracker to check our general health through training and to make sure we're set up for success come race day. Thomas, give everyone a little more information about Inside Tracker. All right, Inside Tracker is a personalized nutrition platform that uses blood work to create a science-backed plan to help you reach your potential for better performance and a longer, healthier life. You can learn more about the product by going to InsideTracker.com. And for a limited time, InsideTracker is offering our listeners 20% off their entire store. Just go to InsideTracker.com slash fuel. Yes. So our next question is from Colleen. She said, hello, recently I have been struggling with body image against performance. I am performing better than I ever have. I'm still a newer athlete. And so expect that part of my performance is just consistency over time. But I'm about 10 to 15 pounds higher 
than where I'm happy with my body image. Can you share any thoughts on how to square these two items? I love the way I'm performing, but I'm not happy with my body composition and image. It's hard to love my race outcomes, but not want to see the photos because of how I look. I'm about two weeks out from my first half Ironman and trying to figure out what to do after to improve this. I think it will come down to more focus on strength, but also needing to make some changes to nutrition. Perhaps I've been over fueling, and so I'm sure once training is done, I have to adjust. Thanks for any thoughts and guidance. I mean, first off, I wanted to say, Colleen, I feel you. So I think I, I think I, everyone I, can relate to this. I just look back at my Houston photos and I'm like, I, I hate 90% of them. And I just think it's, it's unfortunate, but I think it's human nature almost to just, we're not nice to ourselves. I don't know. No, we're not. And that's why I wanted to pull this question out. And I was like, thank you, Colleen, for putting this out there. Because I don't think many people would A, put this in writing or B, verbalize it. And like you guys just said, every single one of us has these exact same thoughts. So I think it's good to get it out there and know that it's normal and know that we probably view ourselves differently than other people view us. And we need to give ourselves some grace. And the biggest point that jumps out to me here is her performance is improving. I know no one who listens to this is shocked to hear me say that, but her performance is improving. And I get what she's saying. Maybe part of it is that she's a newer athlete. So of course, performance is getting a little bit better. But at the same time, that is a little bit of a, hey, pause for a second. If your performance is improving and your body composition is changing, was the body composition that we had before performance started improving appropriate for our bodies? Right. We've talked a lot about genetics here, and some of us are predisposed to carrying a certain amount of muscle mass, a certain amount of fat mass. And maybe where we were before wasn't healthy or maybe it was right. Like, again, this is why I love working with people one on one and taking all this type of history and to figure out, like, where is the best place for you from a body image standpoint and a performance standpoint? Because I think they're both really important. And sometimes body image is something that is okay to focus on and sometimes it's become an obsession so it's kind of like like figuring out which it is like do we need to make a change like does that make sense or do we need to be kinder to ourselves and accept where we're at and I think that's kind of the ongoing question that we're all trying to figure out I think it's also tough like I realize even you look in the corral when you get starting a race and you you judge people on their appearance you're like who's going to be fast here I'm looking around Okay, you know, who's the competition? Who's the who's going to be running at my pace? Who's going to be doing that? And you look around and you see people. And you might see somebody who's jacked and ripped or the the girl that's wearing the buns and the and this, you know, the tight uh what do you call them? The, crop top. Yeah, crop top. And you go, "Oh crap, she's going to be lightning fast. Look at her. She just, you know, she has mm-hmm. the the look mm-hmm. of the of the fast person." And it, I think it is, it's like comparing pace. It's like it takes some of the joy out of, as soon as you compare or look at that, you're taking joy out of your accomplishments. And the thing is that most of us are better off running. And even if we are 10 pounds, 15 pounds over where we'd ideally like to be, we're still doing something that's really positive for, for us and getting us to a place that is, is healthy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's my biggest thing. I want people to be healthy runners so 
what what does that look like? We don't want to get to a point where we're trying to look a certain way, but we're injured all the time. Or we're trying to look a certain way, but we're hungry all the time. We're trying to look a certain way, but our micronutrients are in the toilet. And we're you slow. Know? I mean, <laughs> right? So it's all a balance. And, you know, you guys know I'm okay with people wanting to change their body composition. I think that that's normal for a lot of us. And some people maybe actually would benefit from changing it. But it's, it's kind of, it can be a slippery slope. And it, there's a lot more to it than just I want to lose 10 pounds you know so it's kind of just taking that all into account and unfortunately there is no calculator to figure this out like where is my optimal body weight for performance for me like yes they make them but it doesn't mean they're right it doesn't mean that that's what we should be putting stock into like we've talked about before we need to look at like where are we performing our best where do we feel our best mentally physically recovery wise maybe that's our ideal body weight you know, even if it's not quite what we want to look like. And race photos suck. <laughs> like, seriously. I was looking at mine from Houston, too. And same thing. I was like, there's like two good ones in there, <laughs> you know. So let's not solely base what we want our body image to look like based on these crummy race photos. I mean, two good ones is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Out of like 42. <laughs> I mean, it's not like you get a chance to like stop fix your hair, you know, <laughs> do it. So True. like these are people capturing, you know, you, the, you know, downstroke is a bitch, but mm, yeah, you know, what are you going to do? Okay. So t- like taking sort of the weight out of it a little bit and focusing on the one piece where she said maybe she's over fueling and she is a newer athlete. I don't know how often you see this, Megan, you probably see more under fueling than over fueling, mm-hmm. but how can someone know if they are maybe overfueling for for their performance? Mm-hmm. And I, I agree with you. I think in my experience, most people are, are underfueling, but there certainly are a lot of places that people are probably mistakenly overfueling that maybe we take a look at are any of these things happening? And if they are, maybe we target that instead of like totally overhauling our entire nutrition, right? So some things that I often see is, for people who train in the morning, a lot of times training suppresses our appetite. So if we get home, we don't feel hungry, we get busy with our day, we're not eating enough in the front half of our day, and then we're eating way too much in the second half of our day when that hunger catches up. And that's not how our body wants fueled. So our metabolism kind of slows down because we're not fueling it, and then we put tons of food in at once that our body doesn't need, so we end up storing a piece of it. So sometimes like if that's happening let's take a look at that like we're giving our body too much nutrition at one point in time where it needs spread out throughout the day and then the other thing I see especially with a lot of younger runners and I did this when I was younger in my 20s as well it's kind of the on off eating so we lack consistency seven days a week kind of like we were talking about before like instead of looking at the whole week we're doing something Monday through Friday at lunch And then Friday night through Sunday is something completely different. So if we don't have consistency with our nutrition, we may be overdoing it on the weekends and then trying to make up for it during the week. So if we don't have that consistent day-to-day structure with our nutrition, that would certainly be something that we could look at to make a change versus restricting what we're eating, you know, kind of looking at it a little more conceptually. And then... I would say some people still have that mentality of like, I ran long today. I can eat whatever I want, which like like us on Sunday afternoon (laughs) where we just crushed a Mexican buffet. It was so good. Yeah, it was good. Desserts. Thomas was like, Megan, come get desserts with me. Nobody else wanted the dessert, the dessert buffet, but Thomas and I. We ate it up and then we got (laughs) beverages and we went out. I was was too focused on the tequila sodas. I didn't need dessert. (laughs) 
like the real ranch water. That was the yes. first time I've really had a real ranch water. It was so much better than did, the cans. Did you like it, I, Meg? I did. Oh, I can make those for you at home. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, since we brought it up, I think it's really important that we allow ourselves to do those types of things. And not it's not a cheat day. It's not a cheat weekend. We didn't do it just because we ran a race. We did it because we were in a new food environment. We're and we were fun. trying new foods. It was delicious. We're not going to get that when we come home. We get back to eating normally. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's, yeah. like, that's really fun, too, to just be able to experience all that kind of stuff. Um, but if we don't have consistency on a normal week where we're not traveling, you know, that could be something that, you know, you could look into to see if that's a piece of the overfueling. Um, and then, too, I think some of us just lack the knowledge on what do we actually need. I have a lot of people that come to me just because they're like, I don't know how much I need to be eating if I'm training X, Y, and Z. So it's really sometimes just defining like what does my body actually need so that we can assess, are we getting enough or are we getting too much? You know, it's really hard to tell sometimes if we don't have that knowledge of what our body actually needs for the training we're doing. I mean, I think one of the keys that I picked up on when we started working together is I used to feel like I would even just be doing an easy run and towards the end of an easy run, I start to feel that really hungry pit at like mile five where I was like, I can't wait to get home because I'm starving. And mm -hmm. it was because I wasn't fueling enough. Like I was, uh, you know, and then when we started working with you, I was like, oh, I'm not feeling that way anymore. And it was a good to be like finishing a six mile run, not feeling like you're running on an empty tank. And it was just like, okay, mm -hmm. I understand what's going on now. Yeah. That's always a cue for me if I end a long run and I'm like starving and can't wait to eat breakfast. I'm like, I think I did something wrong here. <laughs> I either didn't eat enough the night before, didn't eat enough before, underfueled during, you know. So I like to use those cues as like things to help us make sure that we're fueling better the next weekend. Or Did we answer Colleen's question? I think we did. I right? think we did. Yeah. Colleen's question is everyone's question. We all, mm -hmm. we all, I don't, Megan has, have you ever had someone come to you that's like, I am so confident with my body and how it looks and everything's perfect. I just need help with no. nutrition. <laughs> no, never. Yeah. No. I think we all are way too hard on ourselves yeah. about the way we look. You know, I wish that we could all, myself included, focus solely on performance and be satisfied with everything else. Um, and I think that sometimes good performances help with that and poor performances don't help with that you know what I mean but a lot of it just goes back to working on like we said at the beginning more of a mental health psychology perspective of just working on how we view ourselves how we view our body giving ourselves some grace being thankful for the things that our body can do for us not just looking at what it looks like it's just this ongoing work that I think probably most of us as endurance athletes have to continue to focus on and focus on the positives instead of the negatives of what you know, a certain thing looks like. I agree. All right. So give us a um, few key takeaways uh, from our question from Bree about tracking and maybe some of that disordered eating. And then we kind of just wrapped up um, Colleen's question. Mm -hmm. I think if you are tracking your nutrition, take a step back and ask yourself, is it helpful? 
I think that's the biggest takeaway from Bree's question is, is the way you're tracking helpful or is it harmful? Um, and sometimes what used to be helpful can weave into being harmful. So really just continuing, just like we reassess our training and we reassess what food preferences we have, like reassess some of these behaviors, like your watch, is your watch serving you? Is your nutrition tracking serving you? You know, just kind of take a step back and look at that and know that there's different ways that we can still stay on top of our nutrition without having to track every single thing we eat or numbers and things like that. Um, and then too, I think, as we've all said, body image is hard for most of us. It is something that a lot of us still have to continue to work on. So thinking about whether it's healthy and beneficial to make body composition changes, or if we need to be focused instead on the body image piece. Is our body perfectly help, help, healthy and where it needs to be right now? Um, or is it okay to focus on changing it? And I think sometimes that can be really tricky, but instead of just automatically being like, I hate that race photo, I need to change my body. Like, let's take that pause, insert that pause and take that step back and really think about, you know, is that truly what we need to be doing? And if so, be very smart about it. Um, and then as always, just don't be dumb with our nutrition. I think we, <laughs> we all need to be smarter with our nutrition and uh, think it through and just make sure that all the pieces and parts are really supporting whatever we're trying to accomplish. Do you know what the problem with this podcast is? I'm always hungry after we do this podcast. Well, it's, well, it's right time. before lunch. Yeah. I know, but we do it before lunch and then we talk about You need to start getting a snack. Nutrition. I do. He yeah. needs a feel for the soul snack. We should we should package something. Mm. There we go. You know what people were asking me for recently is like a box they could buy for their carb load that would have everything portioned, ah. so it would be like travel friendly, so that they could have like their so even many better. In there you ship so it many. to you ship it to the hotel that they're going to be staying at, so right. it's waiting for them. Right. That's actually right. pretty brilliant. Yeah, I know. I've had a lot of requests or like. Could you either be like a Hello Megan instead of Hello Fresh, like <laughs> so that these meals would just come and I could very easily put it together? So I don't know. All right, thank you, Bree and Colleen, for your questions today. Um, if you have a question that we have not answered, you can send us an audio message on the Anchor app. Just go to Anchor.fm, search for Fuel for the Soul, and hit that message button, or you can email us at Fuel for the Soul Podcast at gmail.com. I did want to read, actually. I just remembered. Um, we got a very nice email from a listener. And I thought it'd be fun to read it on here. Okay, so this is from Jacob Cunningham. He said, hello, my name is Jacob Cunningham from San Antonio. And I want to thank you, Megan Featherston, and all of the Believe in the Run crew for all your help. A year ago, I tanked at my first marathon and basically crawled to the finish line in 412. Today, I finished the Houston Marathon in 318 and I owe it all to you. I've learned exactly what I need to be doing with nutrition and hydration and fueling for my training and preparing for race day. I've done the best I can following your advice and it has paid off. I look forward to continue my training and learn more from you. I hope to go sub three soon. Jacob. 56 minute PR from Jacob. That's insane. First of all, we can't take all the credit, Jacob. Like, yeah. You did the work. Well, <laughs> but I'm glad that you I've, absorbed all the pieces from us to help you be successful. I feel like I can take some of the credit. <laughs> Thomas Wood. <laughs> That's awesome. And it was hot, Jacob. So just think you can definitely break through. 100%. Yeah. And his hydration definitely was on point if he had a great race there. Clearly. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys, that does it for this week. Thank you all for listening. I'm going to go get a snack. 
Peas and carrots. Bye. Bye. Um, all right, so let's dive right into this first one. Our first question comes Wait, from... Wait, you shouldn't dive unless you know the depth. Okay, okay, we're off You're to a good start. Neck. Okay, stars, what the hell's a macro? <laughs> Do you What's know? What's a macro? Are you joking? No. A macronutrient, like carbs, protein, or fat. So some people, instead of tracking... Have we talked about this macros? before? Wait, are you high? Yeah. I feel a little high. <laughs> Macros and cheese? This is going to be a long one. This is going to be a real long one. <laughs> or a real short one. Yeah, or we just give up now. I was going to say. What are macros? <laughs> You're a macro. <laughs> yeah. So, I think... <laughs> we're so derailed here. I don't even know where to take mm. oh, Can you go hit the button over there? Can you go that hit the button? That strong. We got it. Yeah, it was start. It was a rocky start, but I think we we did okay. Well, it's rocky. <laughs> <laughs>